Welcome to Your Wealth, Your Legacy, a podcast by Prairie Wood Wealth Management, where we cover the latest in investment, tax, estate, and charitable giving strategies to help you keep more of what you make, make more with what you have, and create a legacy that lasts beyond your lifetime. Thanks for listening. We're glad you're here. Here are your hosts, Nathan Anderson and Steve Nelson. Welcome to another episode of Your Wealth, Your Legacy. I'm your host, Nathan Anderson, here with my co-host, Steve Nelson. Last episode, we talked about how to determine if you need a financial advisor. And now we're going to really move on to the next step, which is if you do need a financial advisor, how do you choose the best advisor for you? There's a lot of characteristics that Steve and I would recommend that you look for. And the goal of this podcast is really to go through each of those characteristics one by one to help you understand what are the key differentiators between different advisors and how to identify them so you can tell who would be the best advisor for your family. Sound good, Steve? Sounds good. Great. So before we dive into the points on what differentiates different advisors, let's start with how most people choose their financial advisor. Yeah, I think in my experience, the most common is they usually follow the advice of a friend or a relative, or you know they work with somebody that they've had a previous relationship with. Money is a very personal topic, so most people seek out someone who they already trust, And that's a good start, but it really ignores quite a few important questions that should be considered before hiring someone whose advice will impact all areas of your life. I would agree with that. And I think, you know, it's common and it's understandable for people to base this decision on trust, especially when you look at the fact that finances impact almost every area of most people's lives. I think I would take a step back and say, although trust is an important component, there's other components as well that need to be factored in. You know, here at Prairiewood, we've identified six areas or six things that we would consider differentiators between most advisors that you're going to see in the marketplace. And and we'll spend some time covering these throughout the rest of this episode. But ensuring that you understand what these differentiators are and consider them as you're interviewing different advisors or whether you're determining whether your current advisor is still the best advisor for you, this is really going to give you a, a roadmap to understand where conflicts of interest might be between you and your advisor, um, whether your advisor is, is held to the standard that they, they should be held to. And as you look across the industry, advisors fall on all different spectrums on each of these areas. And so this is, this is going to be the key to really understanding what type of advisor is the best fit for your family, which is going to allow you to then make a knowledgeable decision for your family. And so let's start out with the first of these differentiators. There's six in total. Uh, The first one's the fiduciary standard. Steve, can you talk a little bit about the fiduciary standard? Yeah, fiduciary is a legal term and it means acting in the best interest of your client. So you would have to put the client's interest above your own. And that's very important. And I think it's surprising that to many people that a lot of investment professionals aren't held to that same standard. I agree. And I I think most people would just intuitively think, you know, if somebody, if somebody's going to advise them on their finances, they legally should be held to a fiduciary standard. But like you said, Steve, they're not everybody is. And even some people that are are not held to a fiduciary standard all the time. So I think if you're going to work with an advisor or you're you're thinking about whether an advisor is best for you, an important question to ask is, are you a fiduciary and are you a fiduciary all the time? So moving on from the fiduciary standard, Steve, you know, another piece that we've done at Prairiewood is, is formed our firm as a fee-only firm. What, what does fee-only mean? How are different advisors compensated and how do those compensation structures impact the type of advice that a client might receive? 
Yeah, when we say fee only, we do not take commissions. We legally cannot accept commissions. And so fee only means we get paid for managing clients' money. There's other advisors that will say they're fee-based, and typically that's a combination of accepting commissions but also charging a management fee. And we avoid commissions because we want to be fully transparent and want to eliminate any conflict of interest about whether those commissions could be driving any of our recommendations. Yeah, I think in the commission-based model, you always have the underlying question of, is this product being recommended for me because of the benefit that it'll provide to the advisor? Or is this truly the best the best product for me? You know, our goal is really to sit on the same side of the table as the client and help them come up with the strategy that's best for them versus sitting across the table and, and acting as a salesman trying to sell something in hopes of making the client purchase whatever we're selling. We want to be on the same side of the table as the client and align our interests as much as we possibly can with them. And being a fee-only firm allows us to do that. I would reiterate the point as well, Steve, about there is a big difference between fee-only and fee-based. So if you're you're looking at an advisor that you're potentially going to work with, asking them whether they're fee-only and and being very clear about the differentiation between fee-only and fee-based. Okay, so moving on to the, the next principle. So this is the third principle, which is independence. Steve, can you talk a little bit about independence and and what that should mean to a client? Yeah, ultimately it means freedom. Being an independent firm, we have no products that we have to sell or are recommended to sell. We can offer anything that's in the best interest of the client. Another point I'd make on independence is it's very important to work with an advisor who is willing to put their money where their mouth is. You know, we call it skin in the game, an advisor who is willing to invest in the same products that they recommend for you. So if it's not good enough for them, it's not good enough for the clients that they're working with. There'll always be some differences between an advisor's portfolio and the clients that they work with because there may be differences in age or risk tolerance or investment objectives, but the advisor should be willing to use the same types of investments that they recommend to clients. And if they don't, it begs the question of why don't they? And so a question that we would recommend you ask your advisor is, you know, number one, are you restricted in the in the investments that you can offer? And number two, do you invest your money the same way that you recommend that I invest mine? And understand what they say. And if there are differences, understand, you know, why why there are differences and make sure that it's an acceptable or, or reasonable response. Okay, Steve, let's switch gears here a little bit from the first three principles. So the first three principles really focused on the firm itself and how it's set up. The fourth principle is making sure that you're working with a qualified advisor. And the reason that we bring that up is because I think both you and I would agree that the basic licensing requirements to becoming a financial advisor allow for significant variability in in the actual quality of an advisor. And so we believe that there needs to be like additional evidence beyond just the fact that you're licensed to identify that you're you're highly capable or highly qualified. I think it'll be helpful for people really to think through what we look for because oftentimes if you're looking for an advisor in the first place, you're looking for someone who can advise you on topics and subjects that maybe you, you that you yourself are not well versed in. So it can be very difficult to assess whether somebody's qualified based on the advice they give you because you don't know what the advice should be in the first place. That's why you're asking the question. So from our perspective, Steve, what do we look for when identifying whether an advisor is is highly qualified? Yeah, in our opinion, there's there's really three main certifications that you want to look for. 
Um, there's actually a whole host of different letters behind advisors' names and designations that they can get. But in our experience, there's really three well-respected designations that have significant exam requirements, educational requirements, ethics, and professional conduct requirements. And if you're working with advisors that have these it'll significantly increase the chance that you're working with a quality advisor. And those three designations are the Certified Public Accountant, or CPA, the Chartered Financial Analyst, or CFA Charter Holder, and the third one is the Certified Financial Planner, or CFP. Yeah, Steve. So let's let's talk a little bit more about each of these individual designations and and why each of them is so important. And so, you know, if you think about the CPA, CPAs are extremely well versed in in taxes. So not just the compliance side of things, preparing tax returns, but also the tax planning. They understand the tax code through all of their education, all of their testing, all of their experience. And taxes really impact all areas of finance. You know, whether you're giving a, a recommendation, there's going to be tax impacts, whether you're looking at charitable giving, whether you're looking at minimizing taxes over your lifetime, even in estate planning, there's a lot of tax consequences. And so CPAs are the ideal people to look at and assess the tax consequences of, of decisions that you're making. The CFA, the Chartered Financial Analyst, that's an investing designation. So that's that's one of the most rigorous designations anyone can get. It's a three-year-long testing process. There's very detailed um, education, testing, ethics requirements that anyone has to, to meet in order to get that designation. And investments are obviously a huge part of each individual person's financial picture. And then the third one is the CFP, so Certified Financial Planner. And that really dives into coordinating the entire process for a family. And so understanding tax planning, estate planning, insurance planning, retirement planning, college planning, a very large range of, of topics, and really pulling from, from many different disciplines to make sure somebody is, is very well-rounded when it comes to understanding all the issues that a family may face. All of these designations have very rigorous requirements, both from educational perspectives, ethics perspectives, testing perspectives. Nobody is going to get any of these designations in a few months. Like this is a this is a long commitment to really bettering yourself and improving the quality of the advice that you can give. And what we found is people that go through that process who are willing to put in the time to get one of these designations are focused and driven by wanting to provide very good advice to the people that they're serving. And if you're working with people that are that passionate about providing good advice, you're much less likely to work with someone who who is less qualified. So the next topic to consider is really an extension of the last consideration of whether your advisor is highly qualified. And, and so this next pillar is making sure that you're working with somebody who's doing comprehensive planning and integrating taxes into your overall financial plan. In order to do that, the advisor has to understand taxes. They have to understand all of the financial planning issues. They need to understand investments. And so really understanding your advisor's qualifications is the first step to understanding if they can really provide the service that you need and that you deserve. So Steve, when you think of comprehensive service, integrated tax planning, what does that mean to you and how do you think about that? 
Yeah, it's really to do comprehensive tax planning before the tax year is up, uh, before you know the tax return is filed, to make sure that they're taking advantage of of the things we mentioned earlier, the charitable giving strategies, the you know Roth conversion opportunities, using up those lower tax brackets if it makes sense, but also you know coordinating it with their estate plan and doing insurance planning as well. All of these areas impact your finances, and so in our view, it's it's very hard to call yourself a financial advisor if you ignore those areas. And then I also think really sitting down and understanding the values and the goals that the client has and what else do they have. And I think that's a good point, Steve. Like obviously with all of our clients, we go through a very in-depth discovery meeting to understand where they are and where they want to get to. But then to help them reach that, like we'll we'll attend their estate planning meetings if they're if they would like us to or if they're open to that. We do a lot of their tax planning for them. We help review their insurance policies. There's a lot of in-depth work that goes into each of those areas. And if we had 500 clients per advisor, there's just no way that we could do that. And that's the reason that most advisors who have 500 clients don't. Okay, moving forward, the the final pillar is what we call generational service. And so, Steve, can you expound a little bit on what generational service means to us and why it's important to clients? Yeah, generational service simply means serving our clients throughout their entire lifetime and beyond. You know, a lot of people have a financial advisor that doesn't have a team approach like we do. And eventually that financial advisor is going to retire. And if they're the same age as you, they're going to probably be retiring when you need them the most, when you're going to be retiring. And so that requires a firm to be committed to training in the next generation, younger advisors to eventually step into our shoes. And we do that so our clients can be well served beyond the career of any one advisor. Yeah, I think it goes back to the the question about a fiduciary duty. I mean, if, if we're required to do what's in the best interest of our clients, one of those things is making sure that if something were to happen to one of us, there's somebody ready to step in to help you and, and to continue on the process of making sure that you're well taken care of beyond you know any one advisor. And I think it also then goes, goes even beyond your lifetime to your children. One of the main questions becomes, how can we pass this on to our children and how can we make sure that our, our children are well taken care of as well? And so generational service means coordinating not only between your finances, but ultimately between yours and your kids' and making sure that everything is is working working together across generations so that we can pick that up and continue that for for many, many generations to come. All right, Steve. Well, I think we've covered each of the six pillars. You know, our goal with covering each of these areas is just to give you an idea of what we believe a financial advisory firm should be and, and what the principles look like that are important to to investigate and to look for in a firm that you may work with. I think it'd be good just to recap real quick what each of those pillars are and what questions someone should ask when when evaluating a financial advisor. You know, starting off at the beginning, it was understanding if they're a fiduciary. And, and the important question to ask is, are you a fiduciary and are you a fiduciary all the time? The second question was about fees. So are you fee only? And that's very different than fee-based. So the language in that question really matters. Are you fee only? Meaning you don't accept commissions as compensation. The third principle was independence, so understanding whether somebody is independent or whether they're a registered representative of a certain company where they're restricted in what they can can offer. The fourth area is highly skilled or highly qualified, and so that's really just a question of looking at what are their credentials? Are they Have they met the minimum licensing requirements or have they gone above and beyond and acquired either a CFP license, a CPA license, or a CFA credential? 
The fifth pillar is comprehensive planning and tax integration. So are they really focused on the entire picture or are they only looking at investment strategies? And then the final pillar is generational service. So asking them whether they're committed to serving you beyond themselves. Do they have a plan in place for someone who can step in if something were to happen to them? And, and can you meet that person? Can you identify that person and understand whether that's someone that you would be comfortable working with? So Steve, I think that will wrap up this episode. I think we've covered everything. Thank you to everyone for listening, and we hope you found this discussion today helpful. If you're interested in learning more about how we help our clients or if what we do could be right for you, please visit our website at pw-wm.com to learn more. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Your Wealth, Your Legacy by Prairiewood Wealth Management. If you have comments, questions, or would like to learn more about working with Prairiewood Wealth Management, we would love to hear from you please visit us at our website, pw-wm.com, or email us at service at pw-wm.com. If you find our podcast helpful, leave us a review and share it so others can find us as well. Thanks for listening as we continue our quest to help others keep more of what they make, make more with what they have, and create a legacy that will last beyond their lifetime. The information discussed on this podcast is provided for general informational purposes only and does not represent investment, tax, or legal advice. Opinions expressed are those of Prairiewood Wealth Management and are subject to change not guaranteed and should not be considered recommendations to buy or sell any security. While past performance of market results may be discussed, it does not provide any assurance of future performance. The information presented herein has been obtained from sources deemed reliable but is not guaranteed.